0: I put up a Q&A box on Instagram stories and someone submitted the question, how are you using your Elegant Excellence journal to prepare for motherhood? And my answer is I'm using it every single weekday. I'm laser focused. Since finding out we were pregnant on a Friday, literally on Monday, I was like, okay, I have to be laser focused on my mindset to be wise about overwhelm. Because all of a sudden there is this deadline that is coming and I need to have prepared my business and prepare for a maternity leave and I need to have figured out all of the baby things and there's so much to do and I do not want to have anxiety in this season. I don't want to have overwhelm. I don't want to miss out on joy. I don't want to feel like it is frantic. So I am pairing that with a book book or audio book on whatever topic speaks to you right now. I've chosen one that speaks to me in this season. And for me, it's the pairing that with my Elegant Excellence Journal is getting wisdom both from the outside, from some expert or source on this topic that's on my heart, And from the inside, taking time to sit with myself, to see what my fears are, my anxieties, how I want to approach today, what my priorities should be, what it is that I feel like I'm hearing from God or the universe, whatever that is for you, I will listen take notes journal all kind of back and forth intermingled sometimes i will just read a paragraph and pause and have a thought and i will write two pages and that will kind of be my my inspiration other times i'll read for 20 minutes and then i'll write one paragraph of just some great takeaway that i want to remember more but i think the laser clarity of a deadline gave me the vision that i can't afford to waste a day or a week distracted or discouraged and having that instant wake-up call is making a huge difference in how much I am valuing this practice all over again. So if you are looking for breakthrough, for guidance, for peace in your life, Get your Elegant Excellence Journal today. It's at elegantexcellencejournal.com, or there is a link in the description of this episode. It is the simplest way to choose to feel better every day. And now, on with the show. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, lovely! Last week, someone submitted the question: what are the dumb things people have asked about your fertility journey that the rest of us can learn from to avoid? And honestly, I only have one that is head and shoulders above the rest. It has become my number one pet peeve and my number one soapbox that I have so wanted to tell you about. I've been composing this chat with you in my head for years. And it's not just about those who have gone through IVF, though it's definitely more triggering than, but anyone who's pregnant. I have asked this myself, so often and innocuously over the years that I now cringe. It is one of the most common things we ask in society around pregnancy, and since I've had years to think about all of the reasons why it's so inappropriate, I'm now shocked that I've never heard anyone else say this on a podcast, in an Instagram post, in Instagram stories. I've never really heard this brought up. Maybe you have, but it's been on my radar for years and I can't believe I haven't heard someone else say it. But I wasn't talking about it because I wasn't talking about fertility and I didn't want people wondering if we were working to get pregnant or anything like that. So we need to stop asking about gender. And I don't mean because gender is a construct or people may end up becoming non-binary. You can agree or disagree with that, but I don't mean anything progressive with this perspective. You'll understand, even if you have more conservative views on gender, and you'll understand what I mean on this topic as I explain my four reasons why this question is or can be triggering, offensive, insensitive, and inappropriate. So number one, When this is asked of people who've gone through IVF, and friend, I have been shocked over the years how quickly this question will be brought up. I will be asked it multiple times by the same person over years. People to whom I've given the same answer but I have to keep giving it over and over again. I literally was going to see someone in my life just a couple weeks ago and I said to Jeremy, this person is gonna ask about gender and i kid you not we had been there for 10 minutes when they when they asked about gender like family friends were obsessed with this question are you going to choose the gender and as i've had years to sit with this It is so insensitive, I want to scream. Now, I say that with grace because I don't think people realize it's insensitive, though I hope you will share this episode far and wide with people and have this conversation to discuss why it is. The reason is so insensitive to ask someone who's done IVF if they are picking the gender, especially casually and rather quickly in the conversation. You are bypassing all of the trauma Loss, fear, sacrifice, pain, emotion that 99% of the time is present when someone's going through IVF. And again, there may be people so wealthy they decide to do IVF just to choose the gender. I mean, I've never heard of that. Even in celebrities, everyone I've heard their story has been through the trauma of being a woman aging and feeling the clock ticking or being single at a certain age, or trying to conceive and have it not work, or going through recurrent loss, or being told they may never be able to get pregnant, or carry, or draining their savings to do this. It's not Botox. No one's doing it as a privileged perk to make things a little more perfect because they can afford it. So you're bypassing all of that and going right to the one part that's a game you played as a kid. Like, would you rather? Would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? Would you rather have a girl or a boy? Like it's focusing on the one thing you think would be fun about this process. You might even feel jealous or envious because that feels like something you would have liked to be able to do. You're like, ooh, are you gonna pick the gender? And I mean, if that is fun to you, You can pay $20,000 to choose the gender of your child, maybe, which brings me to point number two. Just because you do IVF doesn't mean you can pick the gender. I've known many people who through IVF are able to make one embryo. So now, on top of the trauma of only having one, they're being reminded that they didn't even get the one, quote, fun part or fringe benefit in some people's eyes. Or they're having to relive their trauma and tell you the personal information that they only have one. Last week, I mentioned that when you hear about marriage or entrepreneurship, you don't think of Paris Hilton. You think of the real people in your life. So you shouldn't be thinking of celebrity examples when it comes to surrogacy any more than you do with adoption or infertility. These are real people that go through this. However, Paris Hilton is actually a humbling reminder, and I said Kourtney Kardashian last week is another in IVF Not Working For Her, that money, privilege, access to the best doctors cannot buy you fertility, cannot buy you a baby, cannot buy you your definition of a perfect baby. It doesn't mean you get to create your dream baby. All the money in the world. And God is still God. He still has to create life. So it turns out that Paris Hilton would in fact love to have a daughter. She plans to name her London. She had a son via surrogate. And she doesn't appear to have had any trouble making embryos. Yet she's done IVF seven times. She spent, I would imagine, over $150,000 and created 20 embryos, which considering she started when she was 39 is pretty incredible. And all 20 embryos are male. I googled this and someone on Reddit whose answer had a lot of math that I didn't understand, so I absolutely cannot guarantee that their math was right. But they said the odds of losing 20 consecutive 50-50 bets is approximately .0001%. So while I do not mean to use someone's life like Paris's, as a parlor game, but if anyone ever says that IVS is about choosing the perfect baby or at least allows you to choose or pick the gender, give them Paris Hilton as proof that God is in control or whatever your spiritual beliefs, that us being in control even with the science that we have today is just not true because we don't create gender in a lab. God creates gender, or again, in your spiritual beliefs, that the body creates gender. It's not something that we can control. Even if you're a more average case, and let's say you've made three embryos like us, they could all be the same gender. Which, if someone asks, Are you going to pick the gender? and you say, oh, all ours are the same gender. Now it's just like, oh, bummer. Here I was excited thinking you get to play the game and you went through all that work and you don't even get this thing that I'm implying I think would be fun to get to pick the gender. Or what if I tell you they're all the same and we announce the gender at, you know, three months and then we have a late miscarriage. But now you already know the gender if we conceive again. And that's just a moment that a couple might like to have to be able to share what the gender is. And you don't realize you're pushing, pushing them to share something so personal by asking something that's so hard to back your way out of. It's, it's not an easy... When someone asks you, it is so awkward to figure out your languaging that doesn't sound like you're being defensive that you actually are choosing the gender. You just don't want to say you're choosing the gender. That's the way I feel like it always comes across. Unless I want to give someone a 20-minute speech like in this podcast episode and really take the time to educate them. It puts the The intended parent being asked in such a uncomfortable position. If you're talking to someone who's already done an implantation that didn't work or miscarried or had a stillbirth, and you may not know that when you're asking, they may have chosen the gender they really wanted and lost that embryo or that baby. You might be asking something so much more sensitive than you realize. And overall, this is point number three for me, that whether they've done IVF or conceived unassisted, this can be such a sensitive question. If someone has gotten pregnant on their own, the question is, do you know what, we're ha- what you're having? So when you ask someone, do you know what you're having? What are their possible answers? No, we're being surprised. Or no, we aren't at the five-month anatomy scan. I I think it is. I'm new to all of this. So you're like, okay, well, no, moving on to the next topic of conversation, right? Or they say, yes. And then there's just silence, right? Like they, they haven't told you. So obviously they don't want to share. And then you're like, okay, I gotta come up with the next thing to ask. I gotta, I gotta keep this conversation moving. Like this is where we're at right now. Yes, we know the gender and no we're not sharing the gender yet so you just didn't think through oh that that's going to be a real conversation ender unless they say yes we're having a boy or girl and then what do you reply you're going to make a weak comment like oh that's great okay well does that imply that the other wasn't great or ah boy mom okay or girls are the best Okay, well, what would you have said if I said it was a boy? Would you have said boys are the best? Like, there's no real conversation there. When did you know you wanted to become a parent? How did you and your partner meet? What do you wish someone had told you about IVF when you first started? Like, those are conversations. I can actually learn something that is gonna affect me or that we can have a back and forth conversation about. But asking if they know the gender... There's just nothing you can do with that because it's really irrelevant. Are you really gonna be like, oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I just don't like girls. So I hope you're okay with that. Or like, oh, bummer. You probably, you probably wish you were having a girl instead of a boy, right? Like, you're not gonna say that. So, what is the purpose of this question volume back and forth? Asking when someone's due, I mean, that's a more logical question, like you ask in, I mean, literally, guys, I was asked this in an elevator. <laughs> by one of my brother-in-law's physical therapists. He was like, "Oh, my brother and sister-in-law are having a baby." Um and she was like, "Oh, do you know what you're um do you know what you're having?" And I was like, "No, we're just about to do our our embryo implant." But like this just it's the most innocuous, nicest woman, not trying to be rude, but it's just I'm in an elevator and I'm I'm being asked what actually is very personal. And at that point it's like, "Well, I don't know because this embryo might not work. So I'm I'm trying not to get attached to gender because I'm really trying to just believe that God's going to bring the person that he wants to bring and ble- like that's not what she's really asking, right? She's not asking for all of my like mindset and philosophy. If you ask, do you know when you're due? Like we understand this is a 9 to 10 month process is this new information is it are you getting close like it's still water cooler chatter but at least you can say a couple things back and forth about it um i would like you to know what what everyone responds to me is oh a spring baby which again fine innocuous conversation but like there's only so much to say when you can ask when someone is due Again, I think there are more interesting things we could ask, but I don't think when you're due, at least in my experience of what I've ever heard someone share, is a potentially triggering conversation, but gender is so ripe. And this third reason why we should stop asking this is it can be an area of grief for a lot of people, because a lot of people do have very strong desires around gender. Many don't. Many truly are like, I'm happy either way. I'm excited either way. But I've had friends who have been so heartbroken to learn the gender is not what they have hoped. I've had friends struggle for weeks and weeks to come to terms with it, start crying on the table at the ultrasound and now they're trying to cover it up so that you know the, 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 the ultrasound tech doesn't know that they're disappointed. And no, you shouldn't. Just be happy with either gender if you really want a baby. Ultimately, when the baby gets here, yes, are you going to love and adore that baby? But also, some people have a dream and they're finding out that dream is not going to come true. And it's valid that they may need time to grieve it and a part of their heart may always grieve it. If you had a strong story for years since you were little about how you always wanted an older brother and so you were really hoping for a boy first or if it's your third and final child and you really were hoping for the other gender so, so badly or maybe it doesn't matter to you but it really matters to your spouse. If you're only having one And so that dream really is just never happening. If you're single and this is an unplanned pregnancy, which has happened to multiple of my friends, you might envision in saying yes to that pregnancy many, many months before you know the gender, that it's going to be you and a little girl, or it's going to be you and a little boy. And I've had friends in IVF who've chosen a girl and who've chosen a boy, who've conceived naturally and so badly, wanted a girl and wanted a boy, and some have gotten it, and some have not. Not all women want girls, not all men want boys, not everyone wants both genders, some people really want sisters, some people really want same-sex siblings. I've had friends do IVF and choose a girl because they had three miscarriages or failed transplants or stillbirths with a boy, and they thought maybe they should try something different. I've had friends in IVF choose a boy because they had six males and two females. And after a lot of loss to get to that point, it felt like less pressure to go with what they had more of, less likely chance of some next big loss coming. Other people don't care. I had a friend leave the envelope on her fridge. I mean, she probably got this at her 5 month um, ultrasound. Again, I'm new to all this, but I think that's maybe when you do the anatomy scan at five months, she put that on her fridge and her and her husband walked by it every day and decided to wait and be surprised at the birth. Like I could never that much temptation sitting right there. I couldn't possibly, I've had friends that were dying that it was in their home for a week before they were going to do a, um, like a photo reveal and they were just like oh my gosh all week I was like it's in there it's in there we can't know I had another friend that was so anxious she panicked and found out before the gender reveal like she was supposed to document it or do it with family or something and she just she was basically hyperventilating and was like I can't I'm why am I driving myself crazy waiting for this big moment like I just have to know you might not care You might not have cared when you have kids. You might not care if you're in it now. You might not care or think you're going to care if you are going to have them in the future or if you don't want to have them, but you're just playing the game. But others really do. And we want to honor that. And I'm so embarrassed looking back at the times I've asked a friend. And yes, a friend, but not one of my very best friends after many long, intimate conversations about the topic where... I'm really wanting to give her a safe space to be honest. You know, I don't know if you want to share, but, you know, how you're feeling about the gender or if that feels sensitive. Like, I'm not, I haven't been doing it delicately. I honestly was just more curious than I was compassionate. I was just asking casually and conversationally is the next thing one might ask, not highly sensitively. And it doesn't mean that I didn't care about the friend. I mean, I wasn't trying to be selfish or pry or be nosy. I just didn't think through all these reasons that I didn't need to know. And I wasn't the closest person or in the deepest context to maybe be the one to hold that space to ask. And maybe this was really sensitive and really personal. And it just never occurred to me until I was in it. And because we told some friends and family, you know, five years ago now that we were doing this, I've had five years to be asked the question that normally people have nine months, right? Like I've had years to be like, oh my gosh, this is so exhausting to keep pivoting around um, because of all these reasons that I'm, I'm realizing this feels very personal to share. I had a friend share with me how heartbroken they were to find out about the gender. And how they cried for days at the loss of that dream. And I told them I was so honored. They trusted me enough to be honest and share that with me. That I knew how personal that is to say. And I told them that's so valid. It's so common. It's so hard. And yes, I'm sure their baby will delight them when they are here. They will not be able to imagine their life without them. And this friend said they really tried to picture both. They had names for both. I mean, they were trying to do all the right things knowing they weren't going to have a call in this. But they also couldn't help their heart that they and their partner really were hoping for one gender. And when they found out it was the other, it just confirmed how much they really were hoping. And they're only having one and one child. And so I validated You've dreamed this dream in different scenarios, perhaps since you were a little girl. And now that the game of life has happened where you see you know, which kids your spin lands on or the Barbie dream house where you say who your kids are, like all those games you've played and all the mash and whatever, like it's done. All those years of unfortunately little, I, I say unfortunately just because I think there is a lot of emphasis for women on being mothers, having babies. And so this can be a dream that you've had for so long. You started dreaming it when you were a seven-year-old little girl. You you had the story that because you didn't have a older brother, you wanted an older brother. You had a story that you wanted sisters. So after you had the one girl, you really, your whole life, you wished you had a sister and you always hoped that that would happen for your daughter. And now the second baby is a boy. I mean, whatever your story is, you had those dreams for so long and now the, the, the game, the pretending is done. You know the answer and you didn't get to choose. It, it wasn't a game. There, there are no more spins. And even that in and of itself is sort of like, okay, I guess I always wondered how my future might go. And now I know. Pardon me, speaking of children, my eldest would like to be released from the podcasting room. I'll be right back. <laughs> there you go. I'll also talk in a minute about how Mr. Freddy Cappuccino has also affected my views on gender and desiring and agenda. But first, when we go back to IVF, there's also more mental gymnastics you're not sensitive to unless you've been through it or hopefully now after having had this conversation. But let's say you have four embryos, one girl and three boys, and you really want a girl. Do you use the girl first? What if it doesn't work? Maybe you go with a boy first, and then if it doesn't work, you'll be less disappointed. Maybe you feel like you read some study that said second time around is more successful. I don't know if this is true. I'm just making this up. Like, because you can adjust the medication or this, you just happened anecdotally. We talked about this in the fertility episode. We talked about this in the surrogacy episode. You've had three friends and all of them got pregnant on their second transfer. And so you're like, the second transfer might be the one. So do I want to use my girl first? What if the girl is your weakest quality? You do have a girl, but the boys are all stronger. They, get, they give it a whole bunch of different grades of letters and numbers and things like that. Are you willing to risk another $10,000 or so for a second transfer by not starting with your strongest? What if you have three embryos? You have two boys and a girl, and you really want a boy. And a boy is your strongest, so you go with that first, and it doesn't work. So now you've got a boy and a girl left. You, you would think you're going to go with your other boy because that's what you want, but your girl embryo is your weakest. And if neither of your strongest worked, will you be so terrified in that final two-month wait until your third transfer and your last chance, and now you're on your weakest embryo? But then if you really wanted a boy, is two months of trauma worth trying with the boy first? And if you do get that girl, you will be thrilled because you know it was literally her or nothing. I mean, friends, it is such a mind fork. It's not a game. And I think for so many people, even when they get to choose, it's not fun Because so many people ended up in this situation because they have trouble getting enough eggs or creating enough embryos or having implants work or not having miscarriages. Like there's so much that has gone into this. But maybe my biggest reason, number four, applies even if it is easy for you. You have eight embryos, mixed gender, all are great quality. You really do get to choose. And you do have a preference. And so you do choose. Maybe you're like, I mean, why not? We went, we went through all this money. We went through all this work. Can't there just be one upside? One upside is we both really have our hearts set on this. So yeah, what? why not? Why, why would we not? So now you're telling everyone from your great uncle to your sister to your next door neighbor, Anyone who asked, like, we chose a boy, we chose a girl, we, we really wanted a boy, we're so excited. What are you picturing when you say a boy? Why are you so excited that it's a boy? What have you envisioned when you chose a boy? Do you mean more Peyton Manning or Jonathan Van Ness? Are you picturing more quarterback or queer eye? What do you think the qualities, characteristics, and experiences are going to be with a boy? And what if they're not? Now, again, this isn't to shame the parents because we have visions and preferences. We all have visions and preferences in life of the kind of home we're hoping to have and retirement we're hoping to have and spouse that we're hoping to marry and all of those things. So it's not to shame you for the fact that You do picture a girl and you do have these visions of her. But for me, this is about protecting the child because we wanted you to be a girl has implications on that girl. What if she's not girly? What if she's gay? What if she's more cerebral than emotional, more athletic than artsy? What if she has zero interest in what you consider cute clothes or doesn't like Taylor Swift or whatever your dreams were of? If I have a girl, it will be this. If I have a boy. When she's 12, can you be sure that she's never going to wonder if she's a disappointment in some way, if she doesn't feel like she's the quote typical girl because So many people in her life have always known that you guys wanted a girl and that's what you chose and that has to mean there was an expectation with it. And I'm not even taking into account being trans or non-binary and I'm doing that because I know that not all conservative people honor that. And while I disagree and I do honor that, even if you don't believe your child could ever be that. You know men who are less manly and women who are less feminine and whatever our cultural definitions are. You've known little girls that were hyper crazy and boys that did not grow up to be that close to their moms. And I mean, whatever your story is about gender. And I've heard so many of like, oh, it's always the girls who take care of the parents when they're older. So, you know, it's definitely better to have girls because then they're going to be the ones if anything goes wrong or whatever. But like in my husband's family, out of eight children, the one who planned that they were going to be really successful and, and build a house out back for their parents to retire in and take care of them in their old age is Aaron and it's actually been a really hard part for him in having this accident. Um, He had a spinal cord injury, if, if you're new to this story, in March and was paralyzed from the neck down. And it's like, as the boy, as the youngest, as the baby in the family, he did what is traditionally envisioned in a lot of families as what the oldest girl would be doing. But then the oldest girl in the family, she's the one who's taking care of Aaron. She's the main caregiver. And so you just, you don't know what, how things are going to unfold, but we have these little gender stories that we've picked up and we all know examples of people who don't live them out. Now we also know many people who do, and that's why the stories persist. I don't believe we're purely socialized by culture. There are hormonal reasons we talk about in What Makes Women Feel Beautiful that You know, after the age of 10, girls tend to be more insecure, more likely to bend to the opinions around them, and boys tend to be more confident and more reckless in their decisions. That's biological. It's hormonal. It's what's happening within us. So the adage of the cocky guy in high school and the girl who's bending over backwards to please him, I mean, there's biology, not just patriarchy and social conditioning happening there, though as we educate ourselves on that, we can address it. But I, this is not to discount that there are more common stories, but it's also to acknowledge not, not everybody is the same just because of their gender. So what really do we mean? And I mentioned uh, Freddie Cappuccino. This is going to sound funny, but I have thought about this gender question a lot since we got him 10 months ago because my whole life... My mom always said she would only ever want a girl dog. My aunt and uncle didn't have children. They had three dogs. All were girls. They had then four cats. All were girls. So I always grew up saying, oh, you want a girl that's a dog. And that's because my mom doesn't like the way boy dogs pee, you know, off to the side. It's just not as elegant or whatever. So I grew up with Of course I'm going to have a dog one day, and of course it's going to be a girl. Now, I never wanted a cat. I had absolutely zero desire for a cat, but had we chosen a cat, had Jeremy said, please, now can we get a cat, I would 100% have chosen a girl cat because that's the only story that I've seen my whole life is about female pets, and I've both observed it and I've heard my mom saying, in her opinion, this is better. I wouldn't have even deeply overthought this. I just would have been like, obviously, we're going to get a girl. But because Freddy Cappuccino spontaneously came into our life, magical kismet God story, wanders onto our friend's farm in upstate New York the very day that Jeremy's there, snuggles up in his lap, all of these things, I didn't get to choose. We didn't even know the gender when we accepted him. We we didn't know if he was a boy or a girl. We it was it was too little to tell. We watched a YouTube video the night that we got him on how to determine gender and we're like, I think he's a boy, but we didn't officially declare his name on that Friday until we took him to the vet on Monday, and then we texted our family. And we're like, We have a gender reveal, it's a boy. But we were I was instantly In love with him the moment that I put him on my lap and I don't even like cats like I didn't even want a cat and it never occurred to me in the moment what his gender was and if I'd had a choice I would have picked differently and now I can't picture any other cat and coincidentally it was our surrogate when she first came to visit um and met our cat she is a cat and she said that she's heard Boy tabby cats are more cuddly and more needy and like want to be around you more. I don't know whether or not that's true, but that's what I actually want. I actually don't care about gender. I wanted, I want cuddly, I want needy in an animal. So I had one story growing up about what gender I would prefer. And because God had a way better idea, and I am so grateful that I didn't get to make a choice. But You don't want to know that that couple was hoping for a boy and then the embryo didn't take or they had a miscarriage and then they went on to their second and then it was a girl baby that was born. And now Aunt Sarah casually mentions to that girl years from now, oh, I'm so glad that boy your parents wanted didn't work out. You know, otherwise you wouldn't be here. And the girl's like, wait, what? My parents wanted a boy. Like, we've all heard that, right? We've all heard anecdotes of people saying, my parents wanted a boy, but my dad really wanted a boy, so I always felt like he was a little bit disappointed in me. Like, we know that happens, so why are we talking about it? Like, that's messed up for a child to know. And I'm even thinking about, there was a family at our church over 20 years ago that to this day for whatever reason i was told this information at a very young age and i just remembered it that for their fourth child they were trying for the other gender and they they were doing the old wives tales the they they really one of them really wanted that the parents really wanted the other gender and they were doing all the wives tales things right and they didn't get it they had four children of the same gender and coincidentally that last child is gay and has modified their name to sound more like the other gender. And it's just, I'm thinking about this because I happened to see them on Facebook. I'd put, I never on Facebook, I literally posted for the first time in four and a half years (laughs) that we're having a baby. And the last time I posted, it had been two and a half years since I'd posted. And that time it was to say that I got married. So. I don't know, maybe I'm out of life events and I'll never be on Facebook again, but I just happened to be on there seeing all of these old people from my life and I happened to see their profile and see this about their gender, see this about their name. And because I knew I was going to talk about this topic, I just thought that is so much more information than I need to know about this person that literally would not recognize me if I was walking down the street, but I know them because they were a kid when I grew up. That I know how their parents felt originally about their biological gender. And now I can't help but be curious how they feel about the, the gender evolution. Now this person is presenting more like the gender the parents originally wanted. How do they feel about that? How is their experience? Like that's just too much information for me to know about someone that is not one of my best friends they deserve, you know, that person who's now in their 20s deserves for me not to know what their parents' preferences are. And I think we all agree that the parents' number one job is to protect their children and second is to protect their mental and emotional health so that they can be good parents and they don't get pushed into sharing information that then they regret is out there. And so for all four of these reasons... Number one, not bypassing the trauma of IVF to focus on what we think is the fun part. Two, not assuming IVF means you can choose the gender. Three, honoring that however someone has a child, this can be a very sensitive and personal question. And number four, most importantly, a child deserves not to have other people know what their parents wished they were, whether they are or are not that gender. We should see this as a selfish and insensitive question going forward. We shouldn't shame ourselves for the fact that we've asked it in the past. We should not shame ourselves if we shared it as parents. I'm sorry, I should have said that earlier on, but it's hard sometimes when you're sharing something that you're like, hey, can we stop doing this? That any of us who've done it, whether we shared our gender preferences or we've asked someone, we're like, oh gosh, that feels uncomfortable now that you're presenting this new idea. I didn't think about it. So I am huge on the fact that We always have to say to ourselves, I did the best I could then with what I knew then. And like, we can only allow ourselves to grow and do better if we don't, aren't immediately soaked in the shame of, well, I did that and I can't sit with that shame. So I have to be defensive and be like, no, Hillary is wrong. And here is why she's wrong in this. And and so I'm going to keep asking this question, et cetera. Because really it's coming from the place of, well, I would have to then be ashamed that I totally told everybody far and wide that I really wanted this gender or whatever. You did the best you could with what you knew then. And by telling ourselves that, we can be like, oh, you know, I actually would make a different choice now, but I'm not living seeped in shame and regret. I just now am passing on more wisdom and I'm always grateful to, you know, evolve and know new things. I will say my one caveat because when I told Jeremy about that friend who was really grieving the gender, and I said I was so honored that she shared that with me. And he said, Well, isn't that what you think people should not do? They shouldn't tell you your preference. And I said, Oh, I'm glad you said this so I could clarify it in the episode. No, you are absolutely allowed your feelings. You are allowed your preferences. We aren't trying to deny that and gaslight ourselves. It is for you. To choose a small group of people that you feel safe processing that with. My caveat and public service, or sorry, my public service announcement and plea today is against other people casually asking. And again, I do not mean to shame anyone who did this in the past, um, because again, you 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 wanted to share, you were excited, you you hadn't ever had anybody talk to you uh, through the, you know, ramifications. And maybe it's been fine for your kid. It's caused zero issues. But now that you hear this, you're like, I can see though that if our boy wasn't so much a boy or if our girl wasn't so much a girl, yeah, I guess everybody in my family does kind of know that we had a really strong preference and maybe that could be problematic. Or now that I think about some friends who went through IVF, I guess it may have been a little bit more sensitive than I realized. Or they may have just felt like that was very personal. I think some people might not want to share that they did choose because other people might judge them for choosing. I mean, it's like some people think it's a fun game. Other people could be uh, be upset that you chose. Though I'll talk in a minute as we close about why I actually personally don't think we ultimately choose in the end. But We will share the gender of our baby before too long, um, honestly, because it's way too much energy to have to think about not saying a pronoun. Um, And, you know, we also, I, I didn't think to mention this earlier, but also we didn't, I didn't plan to know the gender of our embryos. Our first doctor, we've had two doctors in this process, our first doctor on a meeting shared it without, without saying I'm gonna talk about the quality of the genders. Do you want, I'm sorry, I'm gonna talk about the quality of the embryos. Do you wanna know the gender? Honestly, she probably should have asked because I think a lot of people do not want to know and they wanna be able to say, pick the strongest and we don't know what the strongest is. They might still want that element of surprise. Some people are like, oh my gosh, all my sisters waited and they told me that was the best surprise ever. So somebody could have been devastated by that information. I was like, I remember I was sitting right here at my desk when she told us. And I was like, oh, up, thinking in my head like, oh, shoot, I don't know if I wanted to know that. I hadn't decided whether or not I wanted to know. But I personally, if, in case that's ever happened to anyone, I personally just decided, okay, God, that's, I'm going to say that's of you. For whatever reason, we were meant to know. I don't know. It was, we were going to decide anyways, so it's not a big deal. And you just wanted it. We got so many decisions to make. You wanted to take that one off our plate. So I just decided to be like, ah, this is the way it's meant to be. And I totally didn't panic. So we knew what the quality of our, you know, strongest embryo was. But I'm not looking forward to sharing the gender in some ways. I am because I so want to just not be tiptoeing around the pronoun. Um, And we're holding off, I think, just because even though I'm I have total peace about this pregnancy, I'm not bracing for loss. Um, I'm not waiting until a certain milestone because then I feel like we're in the clear. I mean, loss happens up to nine months. Loss happens in the days after, you know, a birth. Um, But I I didn't want to, I just still feel like people get more attached early on. People get more attached when they can picture a gender. And so I think it just still feels so soon that to tell our families, because even there, when we tell our families and then after that, when we tell social media, you know, we tell our families and then our friends and then post on social media. But I know that there's going to be celebratory comments one way or the other, you know, hooray, girls are the best, and, you know, yay, boy, mom, whatever it is. But like, what if something happens to that pregnancy, and then our next embryo is of another gender, or the opposite gender? What comment would you leave then? You know, hooray, boys are the best, yay, girl, mom. I mean, again, you're gonna react excited, whatever it is, right? So when you act like you're excited about the gender it's either meaningless because you would have been equally excited about the other or you actually do have a preference and so one of the times you're faking it like it just is weird when you really think that no one says oh bummer <laughs> like girls rule boys rule or whatever no one actually reacts negatively um and and it just it tries to be excited for you whatever it is despite their preferences so it is a little bit of a weird way that we respond if we actually act excited about the what the gender is. You know, I just really regret asking friends who did IVF over the years if they chose the gender or friends who found out the gender, how they feel about it. And, and I've absolutely done that. Been like, how did you feel when you found out it was a boy? How did you feel when you found out it was a girl? And... I won't ever be asking people if they know the gender going forward, because again, what do I say next that isn't pro that gender? And I'm I'm literally gonna say it either way. I'm gonna be positive either way, so let's just talk about something more interesting that I actually have something to say. And when people do say a gender from now on, I'm not going to celebrate the gender, just the life. If somebody posts, we're having a girl, we're having a boy, and and they share it, I'm just going to say, I'm so happy for you guys. Like, oh, what a blessing. I'm so excited about this little life. Literally the exact same sentence I could have said, whatever gender came out of their mouth or whatever color popped up on the screen next. And again, for me, this isn't about denying gender. I mean, we'll do a gender reveal. Humans have gender. It's just about celebrating the life, not the gender. And the only time I think it's appropriate to ask... <clears throat> In IVF, IVF, if you are going through it and you're a close personal friend and you've really grappled with that decision of do you want to pick and you're trying to talk to someone else who actually has grappled with that question, what if you tell everyone you picked and your child gets cancer? Do you regret what you picked? Did you pick the wrong child if that one dies? I mean, again, IVF and surrogacy, I think these things seem like games to other people and seem like elements of m- must be nice or gosh, that, something about that sounds ideal to me. But once you are in them, they invite you into so much more humility and humanity really being faced with, with what is life, what is birthing a child, then people honor. And I will say personally, I believe deeply that even if parents think they choose, I don't believe we do. You can choose which of your microscopic bundles of cells 100 times smaller than a printed period that the naked eye cannot even see. You can choose which one to, through the microscope, put in that little catheter and implant. They can't even see it when it implants. They have to put an air bubble with it. And the air bubble is all that the doctor can see where something has been released. But after that moment that we literally cannot even see without a crazy microscope, God has to do so much to breathe on that life. If God wants a female born to Paris Hilton and her husband, he has to create it. There's no amount of work and science that can get them even to that point of the microscopic cell. And then if he wants that boy embryo that he's gifted them to become a life, he has to move. The doctor can only implant it. But the magic of a body, your body or your gestational carrier, that body that God created from another embryo 100 times smaller than the printed period that already held the cells and the DNA for the n- next generation of the, of the embryo that was created. Like your X and Y chromosomes were in your mother and father were in your grandmother and your grandfather. I mean, it has to do so many things, the, the, the human body, to take that little speck of cells And make it into a living, breathing baby and adult that you cannot control or work harder at to bring that life. And I think it's so valid that we all have dreams, hopes, preferences, expectations that We grieve sometimes throughout life when they don't come to be. And for some people, that's around the gender of their kids. And that's absolutely valid because all dreams and all dreams that come to an end matter. And ultimately, life is a miracle. And it is so humbling how little control we have over it. And if you have had any challenges in having a baby... You realize how blessed you truly are to have a healthy child and watch them grow and tell you who they are and help them become more of whoever God created them to be. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately. So, a handful of weeks ago, I told you about the show Silo on Apple TV or. Told you that I was loving it. I may not have been the one to tell you about it. But I also want to acknowledge in saying that anytime I recommend a TV show, there are a zillion streaming services these days, and we do not have all of them. There is more content than we can have. And so I never want to make somebody feel like, oh my gosh, that's the one thing that I'm missing out on. I know there's so much beautiful content. But what I want to share is that Silo was based off a trilogy book series And that is great rave reviews and tens of thousands of reviews. And I loved the show so much, I wanted it to continue. So I immediately started reading the book and I am loving it. Well, I loved it. I already flew through it. And um, you can Google the title. I think maybe it's called Dust. But anyways, the, the Silo trilogy, you will find it. The book starts rather dark. I said to Jeremy, if I hadn't seen the show, I think it would have felt a little sad to me. And I think that's because it's kind of a dystopian world. And yet there's something about the likability of the actors and the way that they did the set design that doesn't make it feel depressing. The the silo that they live in is clean. It has... Uh, soft lines, round edges, even though it's not necessarily beautiful, it is very stylized. So I would say if you don't want to watch the show or if you don't have um, cable, but you're interested in reading the book, I would watch some trailers, maybe um, watch like a recap of some YouTube episodes where you can visually get that world in your mind. Because I think the show did not feel sad to me and what my mind would have envisioned would have been darker and dirtier and and murkier than what the show portrayed. And the show, the first season of the show is about a fourth maybe, uh, the first fifth maybe of the book. So they basically took it as almost like a novella and then they extrapolated so much more in the show. So one does not ruin the other. You could watch all of the spoiler recaps of the show, and you're only getting to 20% of the book, even if you know exactly how it ends, there's another 80% in book one. And if you read the book and then you decide, well, maybe once the other seasons come out or I will I rotate around, I'll get Apple TV a year from now, no worries. Yes, you're gonna know what that first 20% is, but they build out so much more of the characters, so much more storylines. People who literally were... a a character mentioned twice in passing are like one of the leads, you know, in this episode. So it's actually, or sorry, in the series. It's actually really cool because I'm loving the book and now I want to research who wrote the TV show because there's so much more that, that they created in this world that wasn't in the original book. But it is the first book in so, so, so many months that I have been so captivated by. I actually wanted to turn off the TV, to put down my phone. I was excited to get into bed and read, which is so helpful for sticking to my rhythms, for falling asleep at a good hour. And I think it's because, you know, it's been a hard couple of years and there's been so many triggers that I found in fiction. You know, we were waiting for this baby season and it was very upsetting, as I shared last week, that the book getting delayed kept putting that off. So I didn't want to read about people having babies or conceiving or families or whatever. It was just like, oh, we want to be there. We're not there yet. I don't want to read that. I've mentioned on here before that there are so many stories that are about writers and creatives and frustrated creatives and people who are trying to pursue a dream. And it's like, when that's in the middle of what you're going through, you're like, I don't, I don't want to spend, I don't want to get involved in a whole book about this. I'm here for me. I'm here to escape my life when I'm in fiction. I usually am not looking to fiction to teach me something about my life. That's where I'm in nonfiction. I'm wanting that escape. I don't want to be anxious. I'm already battling anxiety in my life. I don't want something that feels intense. So what I've realized has been so helpful for me is worlds that are not my own, because then I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not relating at all. My brain purely just gets to rest and have escape. And I've never thought of myself as a sci-fi person at all. I mean, I love the Harry Potter series, but other than that, I really, I don't know, I'm not into Star Wars, I'm not into Star Trek, I am I just have never, would never have said sci-fi was my genre. But now I'm wondering, actually, maybe that is where there are other worlds and that's actually really healing for my mind and my nervous system. Maybe you feel that's the case for you in rom-coms if you're single, they kind of just make you sad. Or if you're in a relationship that isn't going great, you're like, I actually don't really want to watch this love story. Additionally, I want to say something I'm loving lately that I've had for a while now is having a Kindle. I really thought I would miss having paper books, and I will say I still do. I still prefer when I have a book in my hand, but there are other pros that outweigh it, One is I love being able to buy it right away. So when I finished book one of Silo, I was on to book two the next night and I didn't have to wait for it to arrive and I didn't have to go out and buy it. The other thing I'm loving is that Jeremy can turn off the light and go to sleep. And I know this sounds so niche, but like what is the thing in your life that there's just one little change that would make a difference? We use the Hue light bulbs in our bedroom where it's on an app and I am obsessed with them. You can make them very glowy and dim and so instead of like a bright white light that makes you want to wake up it's like golden and um and dim to really get into the vibe of going to sleep but I control that on my phone so then I got out of the habit of plugging my phone in in the bedroom where I'm sorry, in the bathroom where I wouldn't then be on my phone in bed. I have to plug it in before I get into bed, and all I'm gonna be able to do in bed is read. But because of the lights and because of Jeremy going to sleep, I was started having it there so that I could he goes to sleep first, so that I could turn the lights off. Well then I realized I can read from the light of my Kindle. I don't need to have the light on. I can put my phone in the other room and the Kindle gives its own light. What I do wish I had known and I just truly didn't know it at the time, there is a indie book version of a Kindle. Google it, I can't remember the name, but an e-reader, Kindle is a brand of e-reader. Now you may know this, I just honestly it had not crossed my mind when I finally caved and bought one, and I did it right before a trip, I did it in a little bit of a rush. An e-reader, is the product, the type of technology. A Kindle is a brand. The Kindle is through Amazon, which means that every book you buy, you are buying through Amazon. And if you buy the other kind of e-reader, it is associated with independent booksellers, which we all very much want to support because we love bookstores and because ultimately Amazon underprices books so that people want to buy from them instead of from bookstores. But once bookstores are extinct and they don't have any more competition, they then can go forth and raise prices. So in the long run, it's not saving money for the consumer. In the short run, it's taking money away from authors. So I am a big fan of trying to diversify, shop from small businesses as much as we can, shop locally. We all know that there's so much convenience that we're getting from Amazon and Walmart and Target and all these big box stores, but we don't want our world to be exclusively that. So where are the places that we can be intentional? I wish that I had realized that before I bought the Kindle. I am hopefully having more impact by telling others than I would have with my one purchase. If five of you listening know that information, pass it on to other people, and five of y'all buy uh, the indie book version, then I will have made a bigger dent um, than even if I'd made my own purchase with that wisdom at the time that I am now passing on. So I would also love to make more impact, as always, with these free episodes. It would mean so much if you would take just a moment to tap the stars, to leave a review, if you would forward this episode to a friend, if you would share it on your Instagram stories and a Facebook group that you are a part of. This is such a powerful conversation to pass on to anyone else who is around people who are getting pregnant, who are trying to conceive, whether that is women that are at the age group that are just starting to get into it, are right in the thick of it, or starting to ask the people of the generation below them, grandparents at all ages, we ask these questions. Um, Next week, we are, I think, don't hold me to it, but I think going to be ready to share a final piece of pretty big news in my and Jeremy's lives. And in sharing that, I want to have a conversation about how to make big decisions like this one and also like our decision whether or not to have children because I feel like I've been doing nothing but making big decisions for the last few years and it has been really hard but really clarifying and really empowering to take ownership of my life in that way and I dearly hope that what I've learned can help you and help me in the future in making other big decisions. So I will see you back here next week with Grace and Gumption. And in the meantime, over on my Instagram feed and Instagram stories till then. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.